This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 112. Glad to have you back in the program. Glad to be here. Before we get started, just want to remind you of a few things. If you do like this podcast, please share it around on social media. And you can find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook. Just look for Brian McClanahan. Also on Twitter, at Brian McClanahan. And of course, you can subscribe to my YouTube page. Just go out and search for Brian McClanahan. And if you don't want to do that, you can go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. At the top of the page, you have all your little social media buttons up there. And you can click on those, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and follow me on all of those ways as well. Also, if you're on brianmcclanahan.com, don't forget to give me an email address, and I will give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook, read by yours truly, of the same title, Forgotten Founders. And if you do like this podcast and you want to throw me a few bucks, you can do that at brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. Anything will help keep the podcast going, help keep the lights on, and uh, help help me deliver uh, great content to you. Also, don't forget, my book is now out, How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America. You can go get it at any major retailer, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, any of your uh, favorite retailers uh, that's all out there. So go out and purchase a copy if you have not already done so. I know a lot of you all pre-ordered copies, but uh, if you have not purchased it yet, you can still get it. And of course, you can still get uh, the great content in the book. So, uh, Please go on out and do that. It's a, it's a great book, and I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, uh, a few things that I want to talk about today. Actually, today the podcast is going out. We had Constitution Day on September 17th, and so I want to talk about Constitution Day. I figure it's a, it's a uh, appropriate time, considering that uh, you know, the Hamilton book is all about the Constitution. I'm not going to talk about Hamilton. I'm going to talk about something else that actually has to kind of do with Hamilton, but... Uh, in a different way. I mean, nothing like celebrating the Constitution with an unconstitutional law. If you're a federal, a federally funded school, which is also unconstitutional, you have to uh, talk about the Constitution on Constitution Day, or you're going to lose your federal funding. So we've got all these layers of unconstitutional laws that are mandating that people talk about the Constitution on Constitution Day. And of course, this day that fell on September 18th, this podcast is going out September 19th, uh, so we're a couple of days behind, but I want to focus on a different part of American constitutionalism in this podcast. I want to talk about state constitutions. If we're going to talk about Constitution Day, and it's a good time to talk about constitutions, why not talk about the state constitutions? And I'm actually going to go back to the period of time when we had the American War for Independence. Before we had the Constitution for the United States, which was ratified in 1788. Before we had the Articles of Confederation, we had constitutions in the United States. Every state, all 13, had established a constitution because all 13 viewed themselves as separate, free, and independent states, republics, so to speak. Uh, there were 13 different countries in the British North, in the former British North American colonies here. So now we had 13 independent states, free and independent states, as Jefferson called them in 1776. So I think it's important to look at those constitutions and think about American constitutional history in that way. You know, what was going on here in 1776? If everyone thought what we were going to do was just create a singular unified country, well, then there would have been one constitution. For example, there's only one constitution in Great Britain, 
Uh, it's an unwritten constitution, but it's the British Constitution. But yet, here in North America, not only do we have the Articles of Confederation, which was not officially ratified until 1781, we also had 13 constitutions for these now free and independent states. So we actually had 14 constitutions in what became the United States. And if you look at our current structure, we've got 51 constitutions, in the United States today. You've got the Constitution for the United States, which we all have to now unconstitutionally celebrate on the 17th of September. And we've got 50 state constitutions. So when we talk about Constitution Day, it would be worthwhile to talk about all of American constitutions and, of course, all of American constitutional history. In fact, you can look at the American War for Independence as a constitutional crisis. There was a debate over the powers of the British government and the Parliament which led to this break with the crown in 1776. The colonists conceptualized, and not just here in North America, but also throughout the British colonies. You look at Ireland, you look at other British colonies in the Caribbean. They looked at the Constitution in a way the Parliament did not look at the Constitution. What they believed is that you had the center, the Parliament, and the king able to regulate trade and, of course, provide the common defense of the colonies, of the empire. Everything else was left to the colonies themselves. And, of course, Jack Green did a fantastic job on this in uh, his book on the uh, constitutional crisis that led to the American War for Independence. Um, but that is the essence of what was going on here. And so when you had these colonies secede from the British Empire, they all created constitutions. Now, two of them just as simply, uh, simply just... Um, maintain the colonial charter, essentially. They maintain the constitution that they thought they had before the war began. This, this uh, shows you that these colonies really believe themselves to be independent at that point. I mean, these colonial charters to them were like constitutions. Uh, so you had Connecticut and uh, Rhode Island do that. Uh, they maintained the colonial charter uh, that they had before the uh, American War for Independence. But all the other colonies wrote constitutions. And that's, that's a really interesting thing. They all believed that they, that they had the authority to write a constitution. And many of these were uh, ratified by the people of the states in 1776. Now, some came later. In fact, uh, Massachusetts's constitution came in 1780. And uh, so the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in 1780, 1780, of course, it is the oldest written constitution in the world. It's still in effect in the state of Massachusetts. So the Commonwealth of Massachusetts is still there. Uh, and so when people say, well, we've, uh, the United States, you know, the Constitution for the United States, the United States Constitution is the oldest written constitution in the world, and I've actually made that mistake before, uh, it's not. The Constitution uh, for Massachusetts is the oldest written constitution in the world. 1780, it was. It was uh, adopted in that state. So you've got all these constitutions, and all of them are, are different. Um, some of them are shorter than others. Uh, and I'm talking about the original constitutions. If you, you know, I think we need to go out and look at our current constitutions and understand that our first protection for our civil liberties actually comes from the state. And, of course, it clearly uh, illustrates that there is federalism in the United States. There is a vision of power. The U.S. Constitution, the Constitution for the United States, is designed to provide a framework for government for the, the general government and also to prevent 
misconstruction of powers for the general government when you look at the Bill of Rights. Not for the state governments, because the state governments clearly had their own Bill of Rights, many of them. Not all of them, but many of them did. And if they didn't, they had some other expressions in there about civil liberties. So this is the important thing to understand about these state constitutions. We already had 13 13 governments, 13 states, 13 free and independent republics in North America. When we got the Articles of Confederation, of course, that just codified that. And of course, the Constitution for the United States, none of that changed. Now, some of these states would eventually adopt another constitution after that, that constitution was ratified. Georgia, for example, adopted another constitution. But uh, that didn't change the fact that we had 13 free and independent republics here in, uh, in what used to be the British North American colonies, now the United States. And so I think it's interesting to go through these constitutions. I'm going to talk about just a little bit of them uh, and look at in different states what's going on here. Because this is Constitution Day. We need to talk about constitutions. So let's talk about these original constitutions uh, in, these, in these states now that were colonies now in these states. And you can look at American constitutional history in that way. Uh, we've always, in the United States, the states, and then, of course, for the general government, believed in written constitutions. It's important. Written constitutions are a check on the power of the government. So we have the Constitution for the United States that checks the power of the general government, and then these state constitutions check the power of the state governments. So states cannot pass certain laws. Of course, anything that they don't say they are restricted in doing, they can do. Their power is unlimited. Whereas in the general government, their power is codified by what's in that document. And if it doesn't say you can do it, you can't do it, but that's not the way it works for the states. If it doesn't say you can't do it in the states, you can do it. That's exactly how the Constitution was sold to the states during ratification in 1787 and 1788. And some of these constitutions clearly say that all internal police power, all a power for regulating their internal affairs, is held within the powers of the states. That there's no other authority that can do that. I mean, that is an interesting an interesting position to have. I think uh, one of the important parts of these constitutions. For example, the Constitution of North Carolina actually begins, this is ratified December 18th of 1776. It actually begins uh, with a declaration of rights. And number two says that the people of this state ought to have the sole and exclusive right of regulating the internal government and police thereof. Now, that did not change in 1788 when the Constitution for the United States was ratified. This Bill of Rights, this Declaration of Rights, was still in effect. Uh, So, here you have a Constitution that clearly says states' rights are the center of it, and essentially it's also saying that this state has exclusive control over certain things, the internal government and police thereof. No other power can supersede that power. There's no other supreme power over that. Not even when you had the Constitution for the United States did that change. Uh, This particular uh, Bill of Rights 
Declaration of Rights also includes uh, freedom of press, uh, the right to a trial by jury. Uh, it also has in uh, Article 17 of this Declaration of Rights, quote, the people have a right to bear arms for the defense of the state, and as standing armies in time of peace are dangerous to liberty, they ought not to be kept up, and that the military should be kept under strict subordination to and governed by the civil power. So there you have a quote-unquote Second Amendment in 1776 in this particular state constitution. Uh, so this is, this is interesting. I mean, here's a state constitution. Now, Virginia had the exact same thing. Virginia had a Bill of Rights. Um, and in the beginning of their constitution, that was ratified June 29, 1776. Think about that time. The, the Bill of Rights for their, for their particular uh, constitution was ratified June 12, 1776. And their constitution was June 29th. So before we even had a vote in the Continental Congress, we already had the state of Virginia acting as an independent country. June 29, 1776. You can see that uh, North Carolina was not till December. Uh, you look at some of the other states, and of course, it's uh, a little later. But here we have June, June 29, 1776. We have a constitution and a Bill of Rights, June 12, 1776. Uh, and so when Virginia is talking about, uh, for example, in Section 3, that government is and ought to be, or ought to be, instituted for the common benefit, protection, and security of the people, nation, or community, of all the various modes and forms of government, that is best which is capable of producing the greatest degree of happiness and safety and is most effectively secured against the danger of maladministration, and that when any government shall be found inadequate or contrary to these purposes, a majority of the community hath an in, in, uh, inalienable and indefensible right to reform, alter, or abolish it in such manner as shall be judged most conducive to the public veal. Uh, I mean, this is, a, this is a right of secession, essentially or to change your government. Uh, and so they're basically saying, you know, this the power of this state, when they're talking about the state, they're talking about the country of Virginia. Uh, it talks about uh, the freedom of press, right to a trial by jury. It talks about a, uh, a set, has a Second Amendment, that a well-regulated militia composed of the body of the people, trained in arms, is the proper, natural, and safe defense of a free state. Same thing that North Carolina said. Uh, so, I mean, here we have a Bill of Rights for Virginia. You look at uh, Maryland, ratified November 11, 1776. Now, Maryland also had a sec separate uh, uh, Declaration of Independence. But Maryland, again, has a Declaration of Rights at the beginning of their Constitution. And Section 2, just like for North Carolina, that the people of this state ought to have the sole and exclusive right of regulating the internal government and police thereof. There it is. Basically, what they did is took North Carolina's Declaration of Rights, and North Carolina in some ways took Virginia's Declaration of Rights, and they they'd made a few changes, but they put that into their state constitutions. Now, one thing that's interesting in South Carolina, uh, the South Carolina Constitution, which was not ratified until 1788 and was still in effect 
in uh, seven. Uh, I'm sorry, 1778, and was still in effect in 1788. It actually had a religious test. Uh, if you wanted to be a, if you wanted to serve in the legislature, you had to uh, take the following test. You had to say, agree that there is one eternal God and a future state of rewards or and punishments, that God is publicly to be worshipped, that the Christian religion is the true religion, that the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are of divine inspiration and are the rule of faith and practice, that it is lawful and duty and the duty of every man being thereunto called by those that govern to bear witness to the truth. Essentially, you have to take this religious test to serve in any official capacity for the government of South Carolina. Uh, when you took um, an office in South Carolina, you had to take this following oath. I do acknowledge the state of South Carolina to be as free, sovereign, and independent state, and that the people thereof owe no allegiance or obedience to the George, to the George III, King of Great Britain, and I do renounce, refuse, and abjure any allegiance or obedience to him. So you had to say that South Carolina was a free, sovereign, independent state. I mean, there you have the evidence right there. 1778, they believe that South Carolina is a, or an independent country. It's in the Constitution. And that had not changed when we get to 1788 and the ratification of the new Constitution for the United States. Of course, the Articles of Confederation did not change that. But here we have clear evidence, again, that these states believe themselves to be independent countries. It's all there. I mean, this is when you go out and you start listening to the claptrap of the modern historical profession and the modern talking heads and all these political scientists and people, well, you know, we have a nation. Uh, we have a, an American nation. Clearly, the states were always intended to be subordinate to the, to the general power. Just look at the supremacy clause. Yeah, well, this constitution was still in effect in South Carolina, and these other constitutions were still in effect in these other states. The, the uh, Virginia Constitution was in effect until the early 19th century. can't remember when North Carolina changed their constitution, but uh, most of these constitutions were still in effect. The, the Constitution for the state of Massachusetts, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, is still in effect. So when you look at that constitution, it has a Declaration of Rights. Uh, at the beginning of the document. Article 2. It is the right as well as the duty of all men in society publicly and at stated seasons to worship the supreme being, the great creator and preserver of the universe. And no subject shall be hurt, molested, or restrained in his person, liberty, or estate for worshiping God of the manner and season most agreeable to the dictates of his own conscience or for his religious profession or statements provided he does not deserve the public peace or obstruct others in their religious worship. So, they mention God right there in their Article 2. Of course, this is freedom of religion. It also says in Article 3, as the happiness of a people and the good order and preservation of civil government essentially depend upon piety, religion, and morality, and as these cannot be generally uh, generally diff uh, I'm sorry, diffused through a community, but by the institution of the public worship of God and of the public instructions in piety, religion, and morality. 
Therefore, to promote their happiness and secure the good order and preservation of their government, the people of this commonwealth have a right to invest their legislature with power to authorize and require, and the legislature shall from time to time authorize and require the several towns, parishes, precincts, and other bodies, politic, or religious societies to make suitable provision at their own expense for the institution of the public worship of God and for the support and maintenance of public Protestant teachers of piety, religion, morality, in all cases where such provision should not be made voluntarily. So here we have an Article 3, right after Article 2. The state is going to essentially prop up religion in the state of Massachusetts. Now, when they ratified the Constitution in 1788, that was still there, and it still is there. I mean, here we, this is still part of the, of the Constitution for the state of Massachusetts. It's amazing that nobody reads these things. You have idiots like uh, you know Kevin Cruz and uh, at Princeton saying that all of this stuff about uh, you know uh, religion and public discourse is all made up in the 1950s. It's all made up then. No, it wasn't. I mean. It wasn't at all. Uh, people were talking about religious tests and other things all the way back in the 1770s, 1780s. Uh, you look at, uh, for example, the Constitution of Delaware. Uh, now, Delaware is an interesting case because Delaware essentially seceded from Pennsylvania at the same time they seceded from the British Empire. Um, again, in their particular constitution, um, they have... Uh, you have to uh, make a declaration, quote, I do profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his Holy Son, and the, and the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore, and I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. That's what you have to say when you're sworn into office in Delaware. Uh, it actually prohibited the international slave trade. The, the Constitution of the State of Delaware prohibited the international slave trade. Article 26, no person hereafter imported in the state from Africa ought to be held in slavery under any presence whatever, and no Negro, Indian, or mulatto slave ought to be brought into the state for sale from any part of the world. So before we even had the prohibition on the international slave trade, the state of Delaware was doing it. So, I mean, here, this is interesting. You have, um, you have the state of Delaware doing things that people thought the central government was supposed to do. But no, the state of Delaware was doing it because the state of Delaware was a, was a sovereign, independent country. Again, American constitutionalism is bigger than just this U.S. Constitution, or the Constitution for the United States, or even the Articles of Confederation. You have all of these state constitutions. Uh, the Constitution of the, of the Commonwealth or State of Pennsylvania has a Declaration of Rights. Again, Article 3, that the people of the state have the sole, exclusive, and inherent right of governing and regulating the internal police of the same. Uh, here it is in their Declaration of Rights. Uh, their, their Article 13 in their Declaration of Rights says this, that the people have a right, uh, I'm sorry, that the people have a right to bear arms, 
for the defense of themselves and the state, and as standing armies in time of peace are dangerous to liberty, they ought to not to be kept up, and that the military should be kept under strict subordination to and governed by the civil power. So this one says they have a right to bear arms for the defense of themselves and the state. Uh, and so uh, ensuring that they have uh, the right to bear arms. Uh, it talks about freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Uh, so it's interesting that uh, you know you have these declaration of rights in all of these states. Uh, there's a constitution for the state of New Jersey, ratified in 1776. It doesn't have the date. I don't know exactly what date they passed this, but it was in 1776. Um, so, here again, we have the fact that New Jersey is recognizing itself as a separate country. We have a constitution for New York. Which actually began, uh, very interestingly, with a denunciation of King George III, uh, which was essentially a, a declaration of independence. And this thing was ratified in April of 1777, so they're, they're reaffirming this declaration of independence for the state of New York. Uh, and doing it themselves. Um, and, <clears throat> again, some of these constitutions are fairly fairly short. Um, there's not a whole lot there in terms of restricting the power of the government because they didn't think they needed to at the state level. Some of the states did. Of course, they had, um, they had a, a declaration of rights. And in this case, there are restrictions in some cases on the powers of the state. But for, most, for the most part, some of these states is just unlimited. They, they just set up a government, and the government can do whatever they want, which is why the constitution for the general government and these state constitutions are different. Uh, it does the the Constitution for the state of New York. It is there, uh, Article Forty, and whereas it is of the utmost importance to the safety of every state that it should always be in a condition of defense, and as the duty of every man who enjoys the protection of society to be prepared and willing to defend it, this convention, therefore, in the name and by the authority of the good people of this state, doth ordain, determine, and declare that the militia of this state at all times hereafter, as well as in peace and as in war, shall be armed and disciplined and in readiness for service, that all such inhabitants of this state, being of the people called Quakers, as from scruples of conscience may be adverse to the bearing of arms, be therefore uh, excused from by the legislature and do pay to the state such sums of money in lieu of their personal service, uh, so here it is, you had to be armed, unless you're a Quaker, then you had to pay a tax. It's Quaker tax, essentially, uh, to uh, make sure that uh, certain people could be armed and defend the state. Uh, there's a there's a, an amendment uh, or an article here to protect religious liberty in the state of New York. So, uh, again, I mean, this is, this is interesting stuff. You've got uh, New Hampshire with its own constitution. Very short constitution, essentially just setting up a government. So all of these constitutions, I think, in this exercise and going through this, all of these constitutions show that 
when the United States separately declared its independence, 13, remember, Treaty of Paris, 1783, 13 separate recognitions of independent countries in uh, British North America. 13. Every state had a peace treaty with, with the state of Great Britain, as Jefferson called it in 1783. Shows that these states firmly believed themselves to be independent countries and that no governing document changed that. Some people would say that uh, when they ratified the Constitution in 1788, they gave up portions of their sovereignty. They didn't give up anything. Sovereignty cannot be divided and it cannot be surrendered. They simply said, we are not going to do these things because we give them to the general government. But all powers not delegated are retained. And not just that, in that, as I talked about in, in uh, podcast 108, in that you have the right of independence. Because you created the central authority, then therefore you can leave it as well. You can destroy it if you want to, or you can just leave it. That is reserved power of the states. It's not implied, it's reserved. All powers not granted to the central authority or prohibited to it by the states, which Article 1, Section 10, there's no prohibition on independence, are reserved to the states and the people. Tenth Amendment makes this clear. Uh, and, of course, all of these state constitutions uh, are designed to protect the people from the state governments, but then also when you look at it, you know, these states actually served as a hedge against the general governments too. So uh, you know, American constitution was bigger than that constitution for the United States, and I think that's the problem. One of the problems we have in America today, we talk about, well, the constitution. There are actually 51 constitutions in, in, uh, in the United States, and we need to know that. Whatever state you live in, this is a think locally, act locally, uh, teachable moment with the U.S. constitution. Whatever state you're in, you should know that constitution. Know it well. I mean, I, you know, the the Alabama Constitution is about uh, a thousand pages. It seems like because it's so easy to amend. It's a horrible document. It does need to be changed uh, because it's just it's very cumbersome. It's hard to work with. It's hard to know exactly what's in it. It's too long, uh, and so it does need to be changed. And that time to time, you have people actually proposing to do this. Um, it was uh, the current Constitution was ratified in 1901 in the state of Alabama, and it's just it's a mess. But every state has got its own constitution, and every state should be, every person in every state should be looking at these things and understanding that that is also part of American constitutional history. To understand American constitutionalism, you need to understand the history of constitutions in the United States and in the states themselves. So we had these 13 constitutions before we had the Articles of Confederation. They were still in effect when we had the Constitution for the United States. Nothing changed. That union didn't change. The idea that we had 13 free and independent states did not change. It's just we had a more perfect union of 13 free and independent states where the central authority had a little more power because the states granted these powers to the central authority and said, we're not going to do them in our state. But because they could do the granting, that meant they had the power to begin with. And of course, I had a podcast on that. I grant you the power. So go back and listen to that one too. So, the unconstitutional constitutional day has come and gone. Uh, here we had a podcast on, on constitutions, but I wanted to take it in a little different direction, talk about state constitutions. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you haven't done so, get on out there and purchase a copy of How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America. The whole point of that is how we screwed up the Constitution. That's the, that's, that's the gist of the book. And, of course, the three judges who helped him out, John Marshall, Joseph Story, and Hugo Black, that's a great part. The second half of the book focuses on them. 
And so you can see how that worked out as well. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show.